If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Hey, it's great to be with you all this morning. I do get the privilege to, uh, to preach today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the location pastor here. Uh, Jubilee Church is one church, four locations, and and I am blessed to be the location pastor here uh, in our Kirkwood location. And, and uh, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I know uh, Brian said it, but happy belated Thanksgiving. Uh, good to see you. You're, uh, you are the ones who are not still in food coma and made it here, so I'm glad to see that. Uh, Thanksgiving is near and dear to my heart. I just think that there are very few uh, holidays that are better than Thanksgiving. It doesn't get much better, in my opinion, than food and football and uh, friends slash family. Um, those uh, rank pretty, pretty high on, on my list. And, and um, our Thanksgiving, though, is always a little bit chaotic. I don't know how your Thanksgivings go. Ours is a little bit chaotic. We have four daughters, um, a seven and under. And so any night, any meal time actually is chaotic in our house. And uh, this year we wanted to double down on the chaos. So we had uh, some friends over for Thanksgiving and they have four kids. So it was just extremely chaotic Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving day. And we had this, we had this dream, right? We had a dream. We had a dream that we would all sit down together, parents and kids, one great big table, all eating at the same time. It was a dream. It's a beautiful dream. And we worked really hard to make that happen. It is amazing how difficult it is to make that happen. And we made the mistake of making the kids' plates first. See, we should have made the adults' plates first and then the kids. But we made, we made the kids' plates first and the kids are like sitting there. I mean, they're like forking, you know, they're like, they're ready to go. They've already asked us 50 times when we're gonna eat. And so we get food down on the table, but we're then we're at that point, we've got to make our plates. You know, we're just like, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. I'm in the other room making like, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. We want this dream to happen. We want this, we want this moment to happen. We wonder why kids repeat themselves. Don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. We got to sit down and, and I know I got, about five seconds after I say amen to eat my food before, you know, kids are asking to be done, before they're saying they don't like this, they want to refill or they want seconds. And, and that's what we got. We got five seconds of pure Thanksgiving bliss. <laughs> totally worth it. Totally worth it. We had a good Thanksgiving though. I hope you had a good one. You know, I, I was sitting there at the table, kids were done eating, ran off playing and I just sat, I was letting the, the food settle, settle in. And there's just a couple of us adults left uh, there. And, and, uh, and I just, you know, it was in that moment, you know, the full laughter in the background, just really feeling thankful, you know, thankful for friends, thankful for food, thankful for uh, family, thankful for just the, the people that God's put in our, in our life. And, and one thing I've begun to realize about myself is, is really that's kind of when I, when I start to feel grateful and start to feel, feel thankful uh, is, uh, is on the heels of something good happening. So Thanksgiving is, is something good in my book. And on the heels of that, kind of when the dust has settled, that's when I'm feeling grateful. And that's when I, I wanna say, uh, give thanks. So, you know, once the meal's done, I'm thanking, thanking my wife for the food she's made, thanking our friends for what they contributed, you know, expressing thanksgiving for, for the good thing that just ha happened. And, and I imagine, generally speaking, that this is most of our experience. We, we teach our kids to be thankful when someone does something good for them, Right? 
right? Is it, we, we, we tell them to be kind. We tell them to be considerate. We drill it in them. So when someone says something nice to them, we tell them, say, say thank you. Say thank you. Why? Because that person just told you you had a pretty dress. So we say, we say thank you. On the heels of something good happening, on the heels of a compliment, on the heels of an encouragement, on the heels of a good moment, that's when we know we ought to express thanksgiving. We ought to have gratitude. And I, I've, we tend to treat gratitude and thanksgiving, I think, as this cause and effect. It's this cause and effect relationship. Something good happens to us, and so we are grateful. And we say, thank you. And we don't have a problem with thinking this way or operating like this until we run into passages like we're gonna read today. And if you wanna open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, we're gonna get into our first challenging Thanksgiving text of the day. 1 Thessalonians chapter five. This will be up on the screen as well. Verse 16, it starts. It says, it says rejoice. Sometimes. Rejoice Always. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all, in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In my response to, to this verse, I read something like this and this is what I think. How? How? When we really stop, I mean, we really stop and think about what this verse is saying. If we are, if it's God's will for us to give thanks in all circumstances, how can we rejoice always? How can we give thanks in all circumstances? I wonder, perhaps, perhaps our understanding of, of gratitude and, and thanksgiving isn't, isn't deep enough if it's, Perhaps it's too shallow. Perhaps it's not complete. And what if gratitude is something more? What if it had more power than just being something that is the result of something else? What if thanksgiving, thankfulness, isn't just a polite thing that we express as a result of someone doing something good for us or something going our way? It must be something more. It has to be because if it's just a cause and effect relationship, then Paul has placed a burden on us that we can't live up to. Give thanks in all circumstances, he says. In order for that to happen, in order for that to be true, if it's a cause and effect relationship, then what that means is we would have to constantly be recipients of good things happening to us and around us which we know is impossible. We would have to manufacture good things. We would have to turn a blind eye to bad stuff or bad things that happen. We'd have to be false. We wouldn't be able to be real people dealing with real pain. We'd be disillusioned and unreal and twisting things to always be good. So that can't be all that giving thanks is. We all know that life is not always good. We know life is not always easy. Life is not always kind or fair or comfortable. I mean, how many, I tell my girls that all the time. They hate that life's not fair. I'm constantly telling them, life is not fair. So either Paul is unfairly placing a burden on us as the church to be thankful in all circumstances, or he's asking us to not be real with people, with real problems, have real pain, or our understanding of gratitude and thanksgiving is not fully developed. 
It's partially developed because we are meant to express thanksgiving and be grateful when good things happen, right? That's a good thing. We should do that. It's good to teach our kids to be thankful when someone says something good about them. It's good to live that way. That's Thanksgiving 101. Uh, When you have people in your life who love you, you should be thankful. When food is on the table, we should be thankful. When friendships are growing, we should be thankful. When good things are happening, we should be thankful. When you get that promotion, when you pass that class, we should be thankful. When good things happen, that's, that's good. Deuteronomy uh, uh, chapter eight, uh, verse 10, Moses in this passage leading up to, he's talking to the Israelites and he's telling them about what the, the good land that they're going to enter. And in verse 10, he says, he says this, he says, you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Thank the Lord for the land he has given you. There is provision. You thank him. You remember him. You shall eat and be full. So when you're sitting at the table and your stomach is full and you're in the good land that he's promised you, you reflect, you remember, and you thank him. We need to do that. When things are good, we thank. Thank the Lord for he's good. Have you ever experienced something really great happen to you? Sometimes you know, I think it's easy to remember to be thankful in the good times, but I just, I felt really convicted, man. Sometimes I just, even in the good times, that's when I forget to thank God, to stop, to just stop and say, God, thank you for this good thing happening. Thank you for the good things in my life. So we aren't wrong in being thankful when good things that happen, but in order for us to be thankful in all circumstances, in all circumstances, it has to be more And I came across some verses that mess with my definition of thankfulness as being something that only comes on the heels of something else happening. Check out verse uh, Psalm 105, what it says here, All right? It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Read this line with me. Come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. Read this with me. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 95 says this, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Read this with me. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. What are these verses doing? They're painting a picture of thanksgiving and rejoicing as something that we start with, not something that we end with. Right, it says, come into his presence with singing and thanksgiving and with praise. Enter his gates It paints this picture of us is that we're not, we're not waiting. It doesn't say come in, look around, see if it's good and then rejoice. No, it paints this picture of as we are coming close to God, before we fully enter, before we are fully before him and says, start with praise and thanksgiving. Come into his presence with singing. So thanksgiving and gratitude isn't just something we end with. It's something we start with as well. It's something that we can choose to put on every day, every week, every month, every year. And I don't know about you, but I love the story of Daniel in the Bible. I'm sure you're familiar with this or you've heard if you, 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 we all, the famous story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? We all know Daniel in the lion's den. He's the guy who 
was cast down into a pit of lions and they did not eat him. He's a hero in the Bible, well-known. But what I love about the story of Daniel is I love what it says leading up to him being thrown in the lion's den. And I don't know if you know much about Daniel, but Daniel was a young man. And when he was a young man, his, he and his people were captured. They were taken captive by another, by another kingdom. And Daniel faces trouble, but what sets Daniel apart is his faith and his commitment to God. And in every kind of terrible circumstance, he just always seems to land on his feet. God kept being faithful to him. In fact, as a foreigner, as a foreigner in a land where he, is, he has been taken captive, he gains favor and prestige. He's, he's admired and revered by the kings who lead. In fact, they bring Daniel in to the inner ranks and they give him, and they give him power and they set him in authority and they place him in a position to, to oversee and have responsibility. So here he is, he's a foreigner, not at home. He's been taken captive but yet God has continued to use him and show him favor and establish him. But all of this comes to a head as we approach the story of the lion's den. Because see, with Daniel, there were other people who envied him. There were other people who wanted his position, who weren't fond of him. They wanted his favor. They wanted his prestige. They wanted his responsibility and they wanted Daniel out of the picture. And so they plotted against him. They conspired. They thought, how can, we catch, how can we catch him? How can we catch him in a snare? How can we get him? And, and he was full of integrity. So they, they knew they were gonna catch him in a scandal. They knew they were gonna catch him in some affair. They knew they were gonna catch, they, 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 but what they knew they could catch him in, they knew they could catch him praying. That's what they knew that he was full of integrity. They, know he was a, they knew he was a man of faith. His reputation, his faith in God was well-known. So they knew they could catch him praying. So what they do is they go to the king and they convince the king to sign into law that anyone who prays or worships any other man or any other God besides the king will be punished by death, by being cast into the lion's den. And then they waited, knowing full well what Daniel would do. And I love this, what it says in Daniel chapter six, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, when he knew his death warrant had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He climbed the stairs up to the room, windows open to Jerusalem. And it says he got down and he prayed and he thanked God. knowing full well that any minute men could come through that door and drag him away. He knew that the king would not go against the law that was just signed. He wouldn't break it. He knew that praying meant that he would die. And it says he knelt and he prayed and he gave thanks. What is he giving thanks for? What is he thanking God for? Daniel not only understood that thanksgiving 
came on the heels of something good, not only understood that thanksgiving was something that we put on, that we start with, but Daniel had developed within his life a habit and a practice of thanksgiving. If you look at that verse, uh, verse again, it says, it says he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed. What does it say? As he had done previously. He had a practice of putting on thanksgiving. So he got down on his knees and he prayed. I don't know what he prayed. I don't know what he prayed. We could, he, but you know, I, I imagine he got down and maybe it's, God, thank you. Thank you that you've spared my life. He could have died when he was taken into captivity. God, thank you for giving me the revelation to a dream. God gave him multiple revelations to dreams the king had that spared other people's life. God, thank you for always being good, even when I can't see it. When I don't understand it, I look back and I see your faithfulness and I know you're good and you deserve my praise, so I praise you. I don't know if he was full of courage or if he was full of fear. He could have been down on his knees praying, God, I am full of, I mean, he could have been saying, God, I'm terrified. God, I feel overwhelmed. Maybe he was like Jesus in the garden saying, God, if this can pass me somehow, if you can get me out of this situation somehow, but not my will, your will. God, I've seen you work miracles. God, I've seen you save lives. I have seen you. I have seen your goodness. I've seen your faithfulness. He put it on. He chose to give thanks. He made a conscious decision to give thanks when there appeared nothing to be thankful for. He practiced thanksgiving and he ended his day with thanksgiving. If faith, if trust in God, and his goodness, if our thanksgiving is contingent on our circumstance, then it, we don't have faith. It's not faith, it's a fad. It's passing. If we follow God because we believe that he will give us good things as a result of us following him, our walk with him will be shipwrecked when adversity comes, when darkness comes, when pain comes, when, we sur when we're surrounded by those who are against us, we'll be lost will be lost because pain is going to come. Adversity is going to come, but he has put in our heart and in our mouth a weapon, a weapon called thankfulness and gratitude that puts life in perspective. It lifts our eyes off of the muck and the pain and the messiness and reminds us of how good God is, of how faithful he has been, how he's revealed himself, how he loves us, that he sent his son to die for us on the cross. And that's what Daniel's doing. He's probably afraid, but he's setting his eyes on the God who is greater than his fear. He is anxious, but he is reminding his soul of the God who works miracles. He is getting perspective. He's gaining courage. He's fanning into flame hope. And because of that, because of his understanding of thanksgiving, he is able to give thanks in all circumstances. Putting on thanksgiving enables us to say, oh God, oh God, even though I woke up today hurting, even though, even though my dad was just diagnosed with cancer, even though I was just laid off, even, even though my kid was humiliated at school, even though my coworkers are gossiping about me, even though my spouse was unfaithful, even though my boss is determined to ruin my life, even though, even though we remember, 
We put on Thanksgiving. We choose Thanksgiving. We guard our hearts. Thanksgiving guards our heart when we declare truth. We speak truth. Oh God, you are working all things for our good. I don't understand it. I don't see the full picture, but your word says you are working all things for our good. Your word says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Your word says, Lord, that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. I don't understand it. But we put Thanksgiving on. We get perspective of who he is and who we are. Because in that place, in our place, when we're focused on the circumstances, this is, it's like we can see right here in front of us. But when we pray and we give thanks to God, our eyes lift and we see things clear. We gain perspective. God doesn't promise ease. He never promised you an easy life. He promised to be with you. He promises to be with us. What he promises is that he will make all things new, that he will bottle every tear that falls from our eyes, that he's gonna work all things for our good. In that one day, in that one day, every knee will bow. That one day, there will be no more sickness. That one day, there will be no more death. One day, one day you'll wake up and your bodies won't groan. One day we'll wake up and our kids won't puke. One day we'll, we'll, we'll wake up in that and we won't mourn death because it will be no more. One day. Church, when bad things happen, we put on thankfulness. When good things happen, we respond with thankfulness. And in between, we develop a habit of thankfulness. When we have this mindset, when we have this understanding, then we realize we can give thanks in all circumstances. We can rejoice always. So then that verse that feels so far off and so burdensome in 1 Thessalonians, and all of a sudden it becomes tangible. We can reach it. It becomes real to us. We can give thanks in all circumstances. You may be feeling like everything is against you. You might be feeling overwhelmed. We're tired, tired of the grind, tired of the fight, tired of not having, not having a spouse, not having kids, not having more money, not having more ease, not having more vacations, not having more joy, not having a better job, not having more recognition or more respect. What do you not have that you wish you had? Stop for a moment and think about this. What do you have? What do you not have that you wish you had? This is really important for us to be aware of because unchecked awareness of what we don't have wreaks havoc in our life. My wife and I, um, not from St. Louis, uh, you know, so we have, we have no, fam no, no blood family here. Specify that because we have an amazing church family. No blood, so no parents, no siblings, no cousins, no aunts, no uncles. And what we do have, we do have four little kids that are determined on preventing us from sleeping or having a guilt-free date. You know, I used to think, why did, you know, people would have kids, make, oh, I'm moving next to my parents, we're gonna start having kids. And I was like a little bit judgmental of that, I'm not gonna lie. And then we had the fourth kid and I was like, I get why parents do that. I understand that. I have more grace and, and sympathy for that. 
we have great relatives. We have, we have family that would spoil our kids, that would undo our parenting, that would do all the things that you want and don't want family to do, that would be there. And this can play on repeat. And our, this, is a, this, is a, this is a real battle for my wife and I. We, this can, what we don't have can play on repeat in our head. It can play on repeat. And it's like, when things play on repeat, it's like this. All of a sudden, here's your world and then it starts happening. It starts doing this. And this is what you can see, right? And it's like everywhere you go. I see grandparents picking the kids up from school. I see grandparents dropping them off. I see grandparents playing with them at the playground. I see grandparents. It's like everywhere, it's all you can see. Because unchecked awareness of what we don't have can wreak havoc in our life. It's not a bad thing for us to, you know, want to be next to family. It's not bad but it can turn into something that is not helpful. It can turn into something that, that can bad because it can just start to erode the thanksgiving in our heart. And here's what will happen. We'll only see what we don't have. We'll have these blinders on everywhere we go and we'll miss, we miss the amazing good things that God is doing. We miss the amazing community group that we have that love us and pray for us and bless us and spend time with us. We miss the amazing older men and women that God has put in our life that just show up at our door and come in and take our kids to the playground. We'll miss it. We won't appreciate it. We won't have Thanksgiving if we're constantly focused on what we don't have. Maybe you want a spouse. Maybe you want kids. Maybe you want a better job with better benefits. Be careful because unchecked awareness of what we don't have wreaks havoc. You can find yourself right here only seeing what you don't have and it will block you from living out this life of thanksgiving that we are to have towards God. One day, one day, all things wrong are gonna be made right. And I don't wanna miss out. I don't wanna miss out. I don't wanna to fail to appreciate the good things that God is doing in my life. And I don't want you to miss out on the good things that God is doing in your life. And I don't know what's happening right now in all of your lives. But what I do know is that God is doing good things. I can sympathize with feeling overwhelmed. I can sympathize with being frustrated and angry and all of those things in feeling unsure, crying out to God, God, I don't know where you're at in this situation. But when we remember, and this is so critical, we remember his goodness. We remember Jesus, what he did for us. We put thanksgiving on. The picture becomes clear. God has given us a weapon called thankfulness that we can take up and put on in every season, in every circumstance, to give us perspective, to anchor our soul, to see his goodness and to see his mercy and to see his love. We can rejoice always. We can be thankful in all circumstances, as the verse says. We have been created, church, to be, to, we have been put together as a living representation of God's freedom and rest and peace. A community of people where others who are weary can find rest, where others who are burdened can find strength, where others who are wondering can find life. And it's meant to be right here, right here with us, right here with us. What if, what if when times are good, 
we gave thanks? And when times of provision, we gave thanks? What if when times were hard, we gave thanks? What if when there was opposition, we gave thanks? When there was struggle, we gave thanks? What could God do through us and in us if together we put on thanksgiving? I wanna pray. I wanna invite the band up. I wanna pray for us. You stand with me.